Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Good afternoon, folks. And for all those of you listening, this is in, this is part of our Black History, Black Excellence, Black Pride Month of February. Now, I will be upfront, we are recording this in November, but this is for February's so a celebration of us as people of color. Now, starting with that, the classic disclaimer is that this is for this progress, this podcast is for education and edu- and learn the education and entertainment purposes. Does not count working with a licensed mental health provider, and do recommend you seek that out in your area. So we have a returning guest here today, which is Demetrius Holt, aka Elspon. Cosplay, which if you've listened to a few of our other episodes, you've had you heard him talk about some things. He's got a new project that's coming out that we want to continue to support for this period. Now, Demetrius is a very noted cosplayer. And in fact, if you were watching the Black Adam premiere in New York, he was <laughs> present for that as Hawkman. So hmm. If you like I said, if you've listened to our past ones, then you already know his bio. So let's just go ahead and get into this. So how was it playing Hawkman? That was that's a whole story unto itself. Um <laughs> uh we myself and Eric Moran, who was the um uh Black Adam cosplayer that day, mm-hmm. yeah, uh he's got like a storied career as far as his uh his interactions with the rock himself. Um, mm-hmm. because Eric is a former pro wrestler and, you know, through the, through the last 30 years or so, you know, he and Dwayne have crossed paths on multiple occasions. So, uh, this time around it, it was, again, it was like a homecoming for him to, mm-hmm. to meet with, with Dwayne again. So, um, I was just there for support and, you know, I knew we, we both knew that the New York premiere for, for black Adam was going to be pretty important. Um, but we didn't know that we would be the only two cosplayers there. Oh, and this is the same week. This is the week right after uh, New York comic-con where there was <laughs> a good 5,000 cosplayers, not too far from where times square was. And, mm-hmm. and for, for WB to have no one there to represent for, for them, except for just two guys that just happened to walk up to their, the whole activation up there. Yeah. They were, extremely happy to see us and they were like so you plan on being around all day i'm like yeah sure like so they took care of us they made sure we had water had a little bit of food and you know we were taking pictures with all of the fans that came through Times square for the mm-hmm. next seven and seven and a half hours oh, so it was exhausting but it, it didn't feel like it. It, it it was i think we were running off of a lot of uh, adrenaline and mm-hmm. knowing that we were a part of something bigger because we were able to get on stage, you know, like the big jumbotron is behind mm-hmm. us. And, you know, and, and there was a, a, a few moments where I got a chance to like dance a little bit. And, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to see a black man dance, but a black man in golden armor with golden wings that, mm-hmm. that tend to mount to about like maybe 10 to 12 feet across. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a sight to see. And I'm I'm just <laughs> extremely glad and happy that I was able to support Eric and um and the and the project and just 
just be there. So it was it was good times. Very nice. But, you know, that also speaks to what we're also here to talk about, how a movie like that, you think they would be taking more advantage of the cosplay universe to hype a movie like that. I mean, I don't even know what, what how many were there for Wakanda forever, but I mean, just noticing what happened with Wakanda. Well, see, that's the thing. It was all about the the leadership who took over WB and, and DC and all that stuff right before all of this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, you know, Zaslav is the head of the Warner Brothers department when it comes to this this whole movie thing. And um, I've heard a lot of rumblings um, looking at the Hollywood Reporter and some of my friends who are like in the industry mm-hmm. that they are streamlining a lot of their budget to be so um, connected to the fans on that level. Uh, they'd mm-hmm. rather keep their their mindset focused on actually putting out better material than what they have been in the last like say 10 15 years mm-hmm. so you know there, there's a, there's a bit of a a void um in community outreach from w- mm-hmm. wb and that's why there was nobody there at the at the ac- activation there was nobody you know under their employ mm-hmm. you know because they just did not want to have it in their budget which was silly but they were i mean it was fortunate for us I mean, mm-hmm. we, there's a certain level of exposure that they came with it, um, you know, and plus also the way that we looked. I mean, you you can't miss, you know, Eric is is like six foot four and, you know, big in, in, a, in a muscle suit. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, you know, with my wings and everything, you're like I'm about, you know, eight to 10 feet tall in gold. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, it's, you can't really miss me. So, yeah, it was um, it was, you know pros and cons but it was an experience unto itself that i will never forget and i'm so glad that i said yes to going definitely and you had uh, also met um hodges during comic-con if i remember correctly yeah aldis hodge um yes <laughs> again that's a it's a whole nother story unto itself uh mm-hmm. The fellas that I went there with, three black geeks, um, and and uh, big gold belt, uh, we had went to the um, the fandom uh, party, Paramount Plus. It was a Paramount Plus party, excuse me. And we had went, and it was a good time. And then when we were leaving, I got pulled to the side, and I didn't realize that I got pulled to the side until I talked to the person who pulled me to the side earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his name was a uh, Phil Boutte, and I. Uh, Phil is a co-founder of 9B Collective um, Concept Studio, mm-hmm. which is one of the concept studios that helped pre-visualize and develop Black Panther Wakanda Forever and mm-hmm. a few other Marvel movies. But his uh, his co-founder is Aldous Hodge. And yeah. so when, when he pulled me to the side, because I guess he had been following me for a while on Instagram, um, he, recognized, he immediately recognized who I was and Aldous immediately recognized who I was because Earlier in the year, mm-hmm. I had debuted the Hawkman um, cosplay, and he had shared it on his Instagram and stuff. So, you know, I was like, I think I know you. He's like, I think I know you too. And then we <laughs> had a nice little playful banter there. And, you know, I was looking at the group of people that they were with. And, you know, I didn't, I mean, I, I, I know who Mark Bernardin was. I know who Akila Cooper is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's a few others that were there. Mm-hmm. But come to find out, they are extremely important people <laughs> to mm-hmm. what my endeavor, my current endeavor is. And um, 
talking to Phil this week, it because he and I had like an hour long conversation on the phone and he reminded me of who was all sitting outside when they were having dinner that night. Mm -hmm. And it was it's just surprising that I keep running into the same people in these circles and I don't know it or but they they notice me or, you know, I'm I don't know. There's a lot of people who who look at my cosplay career and just say that he must have like a crystal ball or, you know, that lightning in the bottle situations always hitting for Demetrius because for what I'm planning on doing and who I've been talking to and who's pulled me into one circle to another, I'm around some of the people who make things happen. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I've been able to make things happen on my end here from Baltimore or, you know, with my small projects or people who, who have come from far and wide in order to support my stuff, you know, it's, it just seems like the universe is pushing me in a certain direction. And I just have to just continue to do as, you know, as, as best, as good work as possible and keep myself as genuine and grounded as possible, because there's some people who would get to, speak to some folks that I've spoken to this week alone and they would feel like they are like top shit, you know, that they Mm -hmm. are, excuse me, that they heard that their head is bigger than the clouds and all that stuff. And I'm just sitting here humbled by the fact that I'm able to be considered to have a conversation with some of these people. Because one of them, Mm -hmm. you know, the, like one of them, the, the, the commissioner of Los Angeles. And I'm like, how am I in this circle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that feeling. I get that feel. I mean, that was kind of in some regards, even the feeling is having just being at San, San Diego Comic-Con. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I would have come to this as just a participant to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I was never expecting that I would even be sitting on a panel to be talking there as a friend of mine. When I let them know, this is like, Oh, you just got major geek creds. And it's like, okay. I'm not even processing that, but I, I get what you're saying, this aspect of where did you now find yourself? And just to me, you mentioned Akila Cooper, who is one of the writers on Star Trek Discovery as well. Yep, and Mark Bernard is one of the writers and producers of Masters of the Universe on, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what? <laughs> but equally, it shows how much of a smaller community we are in these fields, too. There you go. Yeah, you that when I say the, the circles are small, Again, this week, with everyone that I've been introduced to and actually had real conversations with, there's so much history between so many people, but there's so many people are so small in that same mm-hmm. in that one circle. And it's like, geez, like if y- if y'all are like the cream of what Hollywood or and and what Silicon Valley is and what the convention spaces can be, then you know you all know each other. Yo, you all have been dealing with each other for the last 20, 30 years in one shape, one form or another, you know, because mm-hmm. the circles, because it's just the table is, I would love to believe that the table is large enough for everyone to be a part of it. So long as they have something to bring to the table or, or mm-hmm. make their own plate. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's like 50 people, mm-hmm. you know, all of us being black, all of us being, you know, at, you know, not at the height, but at a good stride and what we're all doing, you know, it's, it's gotta be under, under a hundred people that are actually movers and shakers in the bigger, you know, in, in the bigger machine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's daunting. That is, you know, to, for it to all come down on several people. And that's. Oof. Yeah. 
massive I, I, weight. I don't envy them. I don't envy them. Yeah. Massive weight. And also that aspect of how much stress comes up with the idea of a step wrong. How does that screw up for others too? Mm-hmm. So there's a little, gotta be a lot of anxiety that's running through them that they've learned how to either harness or they're still dealing with. And yeah. that's also one of those things that, Hmm. I don't think that you can actually teach in school, but that's going to become through life experience and having mentorship with them as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine the amount of code switching they have to do. Hmm. I can only imagine like I, in my, in my experience, I failed at code switching when it, when it was important and I was 22, you know, but you know, it, 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 it teaches you, you know, that's what life is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it kicks you in the teeth before it sends you to the dentist. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. yeah. But this has also been the thing that, which is why you're on here is this new project, which right now is gone live here in November, but we want to continue to, embrace that as we come into this February period and listening to this is your new project, which is blurred and powerful. So tell us more about that. So the blurred and powerful movement, or right now it's just a hashtag, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's the notion that we as black people have been uh, not so much ostracized, but considered to be less than when it comes to being in these geek spaces, mm-hmm. we don't have the knowledge. We don't have the, the, uh, the resources that our, our white counterparts seem to have because immediately, you know, the idea that somebody looks like us should not be in, a, in, in the space that we are in with them. Mm-hmm. That's inherent, right? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't look like them, it's not right. You know, mm-hmm. um, we see that right now with the casting of uh, Yaya Ma- Yaga Abdul Mateen the uh, the second as Wonder Man. You know mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't look like the 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 Simon Williams in six one six. No, but he looks like the Simon Williams in sixteen ten. Like that's that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. but then even if he didn't, it doesn't matter because comic movies are not actual comics. They are adaptations of the comics. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the fact that things change from when they were first. Con, you know, conceptualized back in the '60s when everything was all white, you mm-hmm. know, to to having a an audience that is more brown and black, like as as the world reflects it to be, um, they got to change some things, you know, mm-hmm. they, they got to correct the course. So, blurred and powerful. For 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 me, I see it as a declaration that not only am I a blurred, but I am powerful in everything that I do. I I command my space. I I own my mistakes. I own my victories, and that gives me the power to to not only grow but to move forward. And I want everyone who identifies with those words on some level to continue to use that hashtag to make sure that they remind themselves that that's exactly who and what they are. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say that there is a a larger plan in place. I am planning a networking event at San Diego Comic-Con 2023 in order to bolster uh, Black-owned conventions financially. Mm. So the idea of hosting a party in order to bring high-dollar investors so that they can see what... Because like 
let's let's just let's just be be real. San Diego Comic Con is the mecca mm-hmm. of 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 geekdom. Like it's become more intertwined with movies and television than it used to be. True, mm-hmm. but the fact that you see you see the the merchandise that you see, um, people come from all around the world in order to exhibit there. You know, San Diego Comic Con. They have 130,000 people per day that come to that convention. The highest uh, uh, vendor's fee that I have seen is $18,000 for a booth to exhibit at San Diego Comic-Con, right? For all intents and purposes, San Diego is the height of what a comic book convention can look like. But there's a lot of people in the world, especially black folks, who are not even aware of what San Diego Comic-Con is. They're not aware of the money-making possibilities. They're not not aware of of how it affects the city of San Diego as a whole. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the hotel industry, the, the restaurants, the clubs, the vendors, everyone who is a part of San Diego... That, that entire city gets a financial boom during those four to five days, mm-hmm. you know, because people come from all over in order to attend this convention. Now, mm-hmm. what, what do you think or how do you think a city that houses a Black-owned convention could benefit from something that was half as popular? Oh, yeah. You know, think about it. So between Afro Comic Con being in Oakland, California, DreamCon being in Houston, Texas, J1Con is in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Black Label Comic Con is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, Blurred Con is in Crystal City, Virginia. Now, not all of those places are prominent, you know, mm-hmm. cities that have the, 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 the mega resources to house 130,000 people per day type situation. Mm-hmm. But they could be. Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're looking to invest in Black-owned businesses in order to uplift ourselves, the 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 tent that the the amount of good that can come from that would be amazing because if you invest in a black owned convention in order for it to grow then that means that other black owned vendors would be able to exhibit in these convention spaces now that's more money coming in because those are those are booth fees that are being brought into the convention and then whomever's investing into the conventions and, and uh, from the jump can get their return and investment from the rent from the booth fees and then the community outreach aspect of it all. If you're building places for the youth to see how things are done on a creative level, they're able to interact with artists, musicians, you know, creatives on, on, on levels that they can only imagine meeting, you Mm -hmm. know, then not only do we pull them from a place where they might be in a negative, you know, space, but they they see where they could possibly go if they work hard enough. Hmm. You know, we have to teach these kids that the traditional routes are not are not the only routes that they can take in order to be successful in their lives. So if we're trying to get them away from the sports, like whether it be basketball, football, whatnot, and then some people just don't work well in college, then mm-hmm. you know, you have to give them another way, another avenue. If it's not a trade maybe they are artistic enough in order to support themselves. Maybe they, they, I mean, social media is something that people make a living off of now. 
there's a lot of people who are afraid to be public speakers. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are afraid to, to, to put themselves out there. But if we gave them an opportunity to meet those who had the same challenges that they did or that they had mm-hmm. or whatnot, then they can find ways and mentors to pull them from that, that area of you know, insecurity. Mm-hmm. So it's all about exposure and the representation of it all, of being able to fund these Black conventions that happen to be safe spaces for, for young Black kids so that they are not in a, in a mindset that this is wherever experience that they're having is the only experience that they can have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm able to pull, and, and it looks like I'm going to be able to pull together high dollar investors, sponsors in order to throw a party that would be the sequel or would be a partnership to the original blurred and bougie uh, uh, party that the CWWB threw back in 2019, mm-hmm. then it would be a, an amazing feat. Um, so many people had such a great time at that party and it, it made them feel like they were at either a homecoming or a cookout or just around, just around family and a place that is dominated by white people. You know, I mean, San Diego Comic-Con is not truly black friendly because it's all about the comics. It's all about that. But when you're around your own people, there's something special about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not trying to be exclusive. I mean, uh, exclusory or anything like that. But the idea that we can find a space and be ourselves without having to code switch, there, there's a certain level of like comfort and relief and release that that we just don't have the opportunity to, to have on a, on a, on a major scale at a place like San Diego Comic-Con. So when mm-hmm. that, when that convention happened or when that party happened, I was definitely looking for it this year in, mm-hmm. in 2022 and it was not a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was in it, I was talking to Phil Boutte and he was telling me that everyone that I met at that table was a part of the organization of Blurred and Bougie from 2019. Mm-hmm. And they were scoping out the scene to see if Comic-Con had really come back from the pandemic. Right. So Before they put the money into it. Right. And for the money, the time and all that. And I didn't know that then. When I met them this year, I didn't know that they were even planning or thinking about doing it again. I saw a void. I saw a problem. I wanted to fix the problem. And so I decided that on September 28th, I'm going to make something. I'm going to start something. So I started using the hashtag blurred and powerful because no one else had been using it. Mm-hmm. it was, you did not see it anywhere on any social media. It was just not something, no words, no three words mm-hmm. like that were put together. So September 28th was, was when I did the research and then that's when I started using it. And as of now, I think there's like 1.3 million views under that hashtag. Um, and that's, that's November 22nd. So mm-hmm. hopefully by the time this airs, people will look it up on TikTok and be like, oh man, was that 4 million views? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to get people to, to use it because I'm using it as, I'm using the analytics as mm-hmm. proof that there is support behind this. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm running ads. I'm talking to people. I'm just basically letting them know that Blurred and Powerful is all about funding Black-owned conventions. And if people have a 30-year 
mindset about what that would mean across the country, then there's no, there's no, there's no upward limit to what this could do, how much good this can do for our communities, you know, because I, I, and from, from my perspective, you see how at New York comic-con you got legends like Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, they're, they're still coming to these conventions, charging $250 per, per, per photo opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, where are our legends? Mm-hmm. Where's, where's Wesley Snipes? Where's, you know what I mean? Like, where's, you know, where's everyone that we looked up to in the 90s through the, you know, where's Eddie Murphy? Where's, you know, where, where are all of our heroes that meant something to us in cinema or in genre or whatever? Why are they not at these conventions? Mm-hmm. You know, do you know how much good they could do if they showed up at these black owned conventions? Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. can you yeah. imagine if Oprah decided to come to freaking Houston for DreamCon, you know, or BlurredCon to, you know, like, can mm-hmm. you imagine the draw that would be, you know, for people mm-hmm. who, who have looked up for these folks and have never been found themselves in a position to see them? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, because while we were at um at uh Comic Con this year in 2020, too, as I'm just wandering the uh the vendors area, I come smack dab into some, in Walter Jones, the first right. Black Power Ranger, and he's like, okay, I got his signature and so forth, but you're all the way in the back of the convention hall. Yep, and he, he was in a half of a booth. Exactly. And I, yeah, and I happened to notice then. As we were still that same day, as we're wandering around, there's another one of the Red Rangers, uh, I think it was from the Time Force series, is mm-hmm. up in a much more prominent space towards the front of it. And it's even then, it's like, wait, what's the big difference? This is the one of the originals mm-hmm. in America. He sh- should be up at the front. No offense to the other Red Ranger, but still. Right. And it's just like, ah, uh, and equally to that same point what you're talking about about the loss of ones i mean this is 2022 we lost michelle nichols too mm-hmm. and i mean mind you where she was age-wise she couldn't come to these conventions but still she was a she one was of her major figure she's still acting though mm-hmm. you know she's still working yeah and and that's the thing like you you're right you know the, the fact that we're relegated to the back still mm-hmm. you know it is it's maddening because, you know, no, again, I think, cause I know, I know, I think it was uh, the quantum ranger that was up there. I, and that's, mm-hmm. that's cool. Like, you know, but he didn't have the impact that Walter Jones did. No. You know, uh, when I actually, I, I got a video of me giving Walter, you know, one of my black heroes matter shirt because yes, I saw that one. Come on. Like, I mean, like these are, these are the, 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 the impact. It's one thing to be somebody who has done one part, you know, in your entire history or whatever, but mm-hmm. what, did, what did that one part do for several generations mm-hmm. of people? You know what I mean? Like what you can't pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know, even the, um, uh, the TikTok that came out after the first, uh black panther movie where they had all the black rangers basically mm-hmm. saying they weren't going to challenge for the throne with walter there as well and it's just like mm-hmm. ah right you know i mean we we as black folks inspire in a way mm-hmm. on a natural level that um 
other folks have to work themselves up to get to, you know? And it's because it's more natural with us to, to, to have that kind of effect on folks because we have a certain type of accoutrement, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that we have a certain type of flavor that that's indelible. And the fact that we are diminished or, you know, dismissed on several levels and several occasions, you know, it's disheartening. But so that's why we really have to invest within ourselves. So when I say invest within ourselves, I'm, I'm telling folks right now, like I made a video this morning that, you know, I can only do, but so much if folks don't show up where I need them to show up. You Mm. all are asking me, how can you help out blurred and powerful? You have to use the hashtag because the hashtag is what makes things ubiquitous within a community. As soon as something rolls off the tongue to the point where it's, it describes what you are doing, then that means that it's, that it's never going away. What search engine do you use? I generally use Google. Right. What does it do to the algorithms? Right. I don't, I don't, I don't search for things online. I Google them. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't call for a ride share. I call for an Uber or a Lyft. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like those, those terms are now iconic, mm-hmm. you know? And my thing is, so is like Black Lives Matter. But, mm-hmm. excuse me, thanks to them, you know, mm-hmm. something that is, that makes so much sense to us, Black Lives Matter is so threatening to them. Mm-hmm. Because now, like, you know, white lives got to matter or all lives matter, you know? Anytime they start throwing something to uh, to detract from what you're talking about, then they acknowledge that it's a threat to their mm-hmm. existence. And that's unnecessary, you know. But just like how black heroes matter can't really be disputed on any kind of level, whether it be politically, whether it be racially. They, now, they'll, they'll try to uh, they'll try like they will try to diminish the term black heroes matter as in oh well what if t'challa was you know to chad or you know or some some white boy or whatever like your arguments are thin because black panther's whole identity is based on who he is as 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 a black man or is the fact Mm -hmm. that he is a black man same thing with storm you know you can't do that they just that's a that's a non sequitur that's something that they just dismiss and don't want to really argue but when it comes to blurred and powerful, I'm not talking to anybody else but us. Mm-hmm. I am not focused on anybody else. Like, I, I love everybody. Everybody, you know, we cool so long as you're respectful. And, I, you know, just, you, you come straight. I come, you know, come correct. That's fine. It's cool. But I am talking to my people because my people are the ones who need to be reminded that they mm-hmm. are blurred and that they are powerful. Okay. There are too many times, too often, that we have been, just like you said, we have been relegated to the back. And being able to speak up for ourselves, being able to stand on our own two feet when we are dealing with trolls or dealing with racists or dealing with people who just think we should not exist, you know, that takes a level of, um, takes a level of strength in order to just wake up in the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. That's what we, that's what we've been made into. Some folks are softer than some, but that's why you have all of some of us others who are here to help remind you of who you are. 
which is one of the beauties of how we can also bring this as a therapist to working with our black children and black teens and even the adults who secretly realized they enjoyed all this, but it got shamed for them. Right. Right. You know I mean? It's the things that we use to empower ourselves when we have no power at all, you know, should not, uh, should not be considered something that is, is, is weird or something that is white, Mm -hmm. you know, the principles and the ideals are what we need to pull from. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm in the middle of watching Fairy Tale, which is an anime that a lot of people don't really consider to be essential anime, which is fine. It's cool. You know, a lot of people don't like the fact that it's at its core, just a just a show that's about the power of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I'm pulling from this as an adult watching it is that it's there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons about digging deep. And moving forward when you don't think you can move forward. And then knowing that you have other people to fight for gives you a certain type of strength that you would not have had if you don't, if you didn't have them. Mm-hmm. So it, yes, it might be about the power of friendship, but it's also about the power of oneself to fight for others, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a lesson that people just don't get. You know, like everything that I'm doing. I didn't plan on doing this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but these people have given me a platform mm-hmm. and with everything that I've been taught between my grandmother and between my parents and, you know, all the anime that I've watched and all the superheroes and stuff that I, I surround myself with. If you are given an opportunity and a, and a voice and a platform to do good, then that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You take those opportunities to do as much as you can to make sure that other folks know that it's not so bad out here. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to make it what you need it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've been invited to go talk to some, some Cub Scouts here soon. And I'm sitting here thinking like, damn, like, am I old enough to be talking to kids about what they, <laughs> you know, like, am I, am I really of the, of that, that age where I can say, I can speak to some level of life experience where they'll, they'll heed what I say. And I, I had to be told today, like, yeah, like, you know, it's not about the age, but it's about what you've been through and what you've learned from it. And if the things that you're doing now are a testament to what you've learned and what you, you know, suffered through then kids need to hear the positive side of it along with the negative in order to make the certain decisions that they need that that they have before them mm-hmm. you know so I, I i don't know sometimes i i lose a little sleep thinking about the responsibility that i have um i'm not saying that you know the world depends on me i'm not some sort of hero with some sort of hero complex or anything like that but you know I do have responsibility for to act right on my own, to not react mm-hmm. to to certain situations that could very well put me in a bad space. And um, so I have to be responsible, you know, you know, we're all born with broad shoulders for, you know, for a reason. So it's, mm-hmm. this is, if this is my weight, if this is, then I'm going to carry it. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at with that. Like it's, it's been tough, but you know, there's a, there's a whole certain whole focus to do right because I'm able to do right. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy to be here to help support that. And I think this is a great place for us to take a pause break here. So come back for our second half, folks, here with Demetrius Holt. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethered. We'll be back shortly, folks. Do you have knots? Not the physical tightness in your neck and back, and not the ones on a rope, but metaphors for the helpful and unhelpful tugs in life that can help us ascend to a new level or stop us from falling too far back down. Join host Perry Clark for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered, a program about mental health and its practice from an indigenous person of color. We'll help you find the knots that help you and avoid the ones that don't. Listen for new episodes every other week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, folks, for our second half here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm here with Demetrius Holt, a.k.a. Hellspawn Cosplay, a returning guest here. And... um, a cosplayer who's done a number of things from a version of He-Man to recently Hawkman. And included in that is a new version of one of our favorite mutants. Well, depending on, well, my favorite mutant is still Storm, but still one of the favorite and most noted mutants is Cyclops. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know. Cyclops gets a bad rap because they're a damn show. <laughs> and those movies. <laughs> well, I don't know. Even some of the stuff, ways he behaves in the comic books, there's points where even he can be a bit of a dick. Yeah, but, but no, 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 no. When I say bad rap, I'm talking mm. about people thinking that he's just soft or he's, he's, a, uh, he's a pushover. I'm like, nah, oh, no, man. He, he, no. He's, he's quick with the blicky. Like, <laughs> <laughs> was, no, I would never consider Cyclops as being soft, but sometimes a dick, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I can identify. I uh, <laughs> I I do appreciate a good Scott Summer. So, <laughs> and you know, he was right. Mm-hmm. Well, but, which um, can also be said that both Killmonger and Namor are right. No, 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 no. Because thing is with with Cyclops, he at the end of the day he wanted to protect his people. He didn't mm-hmm. want to go out and kill other people like mm-hmm. Killmonger. Mm-hmm. You know, he oh, wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't out to end lives in order to save lives. He right. was just trying to preserve lives. So if we can, if we can like have that level of nuance and understand that you do what you can to protect folks, then, then, that, then that puts Cyclops in a different category than Killmonger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no, that, I don't, that's, I don't, I don't disagree, disagree with you. 
Don't nuance disagree with is you lost. There. Yeah, nuance is lost in 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 these communities. Whereas you say one thing, then that I mean it's black and white. There's no gray. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is very very true. And I guess when I say the aspect of uh, being like Killmonger and Namor, and I'm talking about the movies, not the comic books, is that standpoint that there is a strength that we also have to show and not be moved easily in our lives and mm-hmm. work. But that being said, you also had a very major project that involved X-Men and you being in the Cyclops cosplay. So why don't you yeah. tell us a little about that? So um, back in back in July, uh, BlurredCon, myself mm-hmm. and, and three other cosplayers just happened to take cell phone photos uh, as Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine, and Bishop. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it was just like we happened to run into each other, but we knew that we were going to be there. So, like, hey, you know, let's take a few photos to see what we can make out of it. And a couple of edits later, and this the entire month of August was all about us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Between two articles from Screen Rant, one from from Comic Book Resources, and folks were saying, Demetrius, we should do something bigger. We should do something more in regards to that. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, here it is, July, August. I guess August 30th for for October. What was it? October 21st was when um Baltimore Comic Con was. I was thinking, okay, so we got two and a half months. Let's plan this out. Let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And I started promoting the idea of having um a bunch of mutants come together at Baltimore Comic Con for a film production for a actual like shoot and uh my uh my friend black captain kirk or uh tim pisani he on uh, on uh, on instagram he he decided he was like hey i won't have a problem directing this thing for you you know and then we end up finding a videographer that will work with us and we were able to pull at the end of the day i think but well the amount of people who were planning to be there is about 42 people. So mm. from, from four people to 42 and all of us were so many different mutants. And there was a few, there was a few uh, variants of the, of each mm-hmm. other. Um, but it was, it was amazing to have so many people dressed as X-Men and all of us were just, you know, different nationalities, different, you know, different backgrounds. And it, and it was just a matter of just having so many of us together that had that look. And, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't get the chance to film everything that we had scripted out, that we had mm-hmm. storyboarded. Um, you know, people were not able to get there on time or some people weren't able to get there at all. Uh, and we had to shoot around that. But, you know, there is I'm, I'm being told that there is enough footage to put together something that you would normally see, you know, cosplayers doing on a professional mm-hmm. level. It, it would be something mm-hmm. that you would see like Hollywood. So. I am hopeful. I'm letting the director and the videographer, I'm just a producer. You know, there's only so much control I, I can have. And I got to, this isn't just my project and my project alone. You know, I got to, I have to be a real leader and know when to step back and let others flex when they need to, and when they're, they're, when they're good at what they do, what they do. Mm-hmm. So through a collaborative effort, that's how we get a really good product is if you trust one another to do each other's jobs the way that we're supposed to, to do them. So uh, right now it's in the editing process. 
um, between the director and the videographer. And then we're going to send it to a composer who happened to be Mark Cooper, who is the composer of the first uh, of the, uh, the He-Man um, uh, intro music. He's mm-hmm. the, the guy who put that, that music together. So, you know, trying to keep it black, trying to keep it in the family and trying to keep it as, as, as familiar as possible so that if someone does pop, you know, then everybody gets recognition one way or another, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. that search you know, algorithm. Yeah. You know I mean? That's, there's no reason in the world to pull up the ladder behind you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially if you're, if you're able to make other people look good and they enjoy it, that means that they want to do more themselves and that they would want to join your projects in the future. Cause I can't do this stuff by myself. And if they know that they're getting, you know, everything that I promised them, whether it be IMDb credits, whether it be, you know, HD footage of themselves or opportunities for them to, to take photos in, in a way that they've never taken photos before. I'm talking about with smoke mm-hmm. bombs, you know, like it's, it's giving folks an opportunity to try something that they've never done before creatively. And but just really simply because I've got the ability to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it wasn't because I have, I'm on some sort of power trip, but you know, folks have trusted me with their materials or their products. And I put them in the hands of other people that could benefit from it more than so than I could at the time. Why not? You know, the business mm-hmm. still gets, still gets recognition and these folks get some dope photos, you know what I mean? So it's, it doesn't make sense to, to, to gatekeep. It doesn't make sense to, you know, lock people out of things or to not allow them to, to participate. You know, I think folks who, who do that are silly and um, they're damaging not only themselves, but her own culture, you know, because you never know what kind of creative mind comes from someone who has been waiting for an opportunity like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Which gets back to what we were saying earlier about the nuance with Killmonger and so forth. And also, I got to say, because uh, in watching Wakanda Forever, Shuri forgot that technically, at least in the probably in that in the movie universe, Killmonger is one of her family members. Okay, because you know, there, there's an aspect of for those who have seen it by this point, most people should have. So mm-hmm. it's not a spoiler. Really, should not be a spoiler. But she's upset that Killmonger is the one who shows up for her, not her mother, not her brother, not even her father. Well, that should let her know where, where her heart was at the time. Right. But all that again, yeah, but again, Shuri is much more about the head than the heart, which is what needed to be reminded to her. This is true. This is true. Yeah, there, there were a lot of hidden. Like, oh, well, kind of forever. Was, worked on multiple levels. Layered. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many layered. layers of that. Now, that's an episode and, all in and of itself, especially from a mental health ooh. standpoint. Uh, which is an idea. I mean, you need to talk to a couple of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, and we also need to be wrapping up here. You had one other ma- major accomplishment that has come out this year, which was about your action figure. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Benjamin, this guy that's in France, right? Mm-hmm. He took it upon himself last year to... um to try and, and do a, uh, an actual action figure that that was more of the current times than, than the Masterverse version that, that mm-hmm. we've had back in the eighties. And, you know, he, he took like photos of my face and then put it into like a 3d design and, you know, sculpted the head and everything. And 
um and it's actually like on sale now like he's he can only make them as often as he can he can get the hair hmm. right you know he's right. he's not he's not he's not proficient at it yet but he's getting better at it and he's got to do these things because they're based on the uh the cat the king grayskull figure mm-hmm. you know he he takes that body and then you know replaces the head repaints it you know and all that stuff but apparently in france that might that that figure is really hard to come by mm-hmm. so he's limited in resources in doing so but the first figure um went on ebay auction for 313 dollars and i am flabbergasted by that and, mm-hmm. and you know, the one that I'm getting is a few days away. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to act a little different when I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you've got every reason to prance, but buddy, prance. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's a, like, it's, it's a, it's a real, I mean, the one that I have is a great action figure that my son has mm-hmm. been playing with and all this stuff. It's great. But, you know, to have an, a, a collector's item, you know, that's mm-hmm. not just a statue or whatever, but it's an actual figure that that Mattel in, into itself could actually sell. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, there's a part of me that feels like that's like the culmination of everything mm-hmm. that I've worked for, you know, but it's not. There's so much more between the PSAs and, you know, just folks that that are that that have gotten so much from this one cosplay. You know, I know that's not the only thing that's going to come from it, but for me, for someone who collects these things, for me to be actually, again, for a second time, be a part of what I collect, it's not an ego boost. It's very, it, it makes my heart swell. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a natural, like, if I, if I was to be done with cosplay, I, what else could I do? Except for now, try to fund Black-owned conventions. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've only been in for five years and I've, I've made some strides that people won't ever make in, in 30, 40, 50 years, you know, and there's no shade to them. It's just a matter of lightning in the bottle and the ideas that I've had that just happened to, to, to resonate with people um, to the point where they want to make action figures. They want to make art. They want to make, you know, they want to sell my face on, on clothing and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's extremely, extremely, you know, humbling. And I, I do not want to take it for granted. And I am not being cocky about it. You know, um, I'm just really thankful. I'm really mm-hmm. thankful that that this is that this is an experience that was unique unto me. And, you know, I can I can help now wherever I, I can, where I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all these ideals of doing, doing the best or doing the most for others. And, you know, I was, I'm a former police officer, you know, thinking I can do good for other people when there's a system out there that is, that is, that is designed to keep me from doing good, you know, when you're in that kind of position. And now I'm in a place where everything good I do does exactly what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. for who it's supposed to be for. And that's rewarding unto itself. I might not be making a whole bunch of money or, you know, I might not be in movies or anything like that, but you got to, you have to imagine being able to say, I did a good thing today and someone be able to smile because you existed. What more is there? What, what more is there really? Exactly. Exactly. 
So I think that's a beautiful place for us to end for today. If folks want to be able to talk with you more and get more in, uh, especially want to put those funds into the blurred and powerful, where can they reach you? Well, Instagram, Hellspond underscore cosplay. Uh, I just joined Hive today um, mm-hmm. at, at Hellspawn because apparently Twitter's going away at some point. <laughs> um, we'll uh, see but, where it is when with this airs. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but on, on Twitter, I'm at Hellspond LLC and um, Facebook, I'm on uh, Hellspond. And then TikTok is Hellspond. Uh, that mm-hmm. is where. Apparently, a lot of people have gotten to know me a lot, a lot better or a lot more as opposed to Instagram. But because you have to have a personality on, to be on TikTok. And, <laughs> and oh, you uh, work it there. You work it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's been fun. Um, I got to do I got to do more stuff without a shirt, apparently, in order to make things pop. But, you know, what I mean, uh, what, what can you do? That's what that's what sells. Sex sells. You know, I got yeah. I got this thing with Marvel right now. Marvel and and one hundred percent soft. They were the company. Did you see She Hulk? Yes. Oh, go oh, the whole yeah Titania stuff. Yes. Right. So uh, Avengers, Avengers, they're the ones that that made those designs on those shirts. Mm-hmm. And and like they they sent me a couple of things to to sell. I'm like, wait a minute, am I working with a company that works with Marvel? Does that mean I technically work for Marvel? I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I'm, it's kind of like asking, yeah. It's kind of like saying, "Is Princess Leia actually a princess in the Disney universe?" She is, and I agree. <laughs> she is. So, but, hey, yeah. But thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate your time. I do appreciate your candor, and you know, allowing me to get these messages out. You know, I, I thank you so much. Not a problem. Happy to help. And again, it's that little ways of trying to help. So somebody they matter. It's for the culture, maybe. Exactly. That's what so we'll be in touch. I hope everyone right. has enjoyed this, this Black History Month, this Black Pride Month, this Black Excellence Month. So stay tuned. We got more for you this month and to come. Have a good one, folks. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.